Today on Ag News Daily. You know, one thing we know about money, it's looking for a place to go. And certainly, if equities continue to fall, people are going to be looking at chasing yield. And they will come into the ag spot as a great alternative investment. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Monday. It's a new week starting here on the Ag News Daily podcast. And I am joined with Delaney Howell and Mike Pearson. Good afternoon, Madison Honkamp. And you know, it's interesting, it's a new week on the Ag News Daily Podcast, and it's a new week everywhere else, too. <laughs> it is. Thanks for that, Mike. You're, You're so welcome. funny. You're welcome. One of my favorite jokes is when somebody asks if I got a haircut, how do I respond, Delaney? I don't know. How do you respond, Mike? No, I got them all cut. Mm-hmm. You're so funny. It's a good one. I know. I know. I mean, I'm basically a stand-up comedian. I am it's so It's a real knee slapper. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, 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 uh. Um, let's see. We got news today, right? We do. We had some big news come out Friday right after we recorded the podcast. I'm going to kick it off with that news. It's a deal to boost U.S. beef exports to none other than the European Union. We saw... Quite a few folks from the EU come to the White House last week. They made an official statement President Trump did there with this new deal. And under the new deal, which was signed on Friday, U.S. beef is allocated about 80% of the tariff rate quota for European beef imports. I can't remember the exact number, but it's supposed to raise the amount of beef heading to the EU quite substantially. Yes, if the Europeans buy it. So it's kind of a unique deal in the sense that now we've got more tariff-free beef with the potential to head to the EU. And the reason this deal really matters is in order for the U.S. to get this additional allotment, Uruguay, uh, Argentina, and Australia all had to sign off on giving us more market access. And um, they were reluctant to, but in the Mm -hmm. end, willing to give it to us. So it'll be interesting to see if this actually does, you know, put more U.S. beef in the mouths of uh, our European uh, friends and allies over there. Yes, absolutely. And I think one other point to make is it has to be hormone-free beef. That's the only beef that's accepted by this TRQ. Um, But we didn't see anything else mentioned about any sort of other EU-U.S. trade deal or trade talks moving forward. So it looks like we're still pretty much deadlocked there. Yes, I believe this deal was uh, Europe insisted on doing it outside of the trade deal, which, you know, looking at it now, probably beneficial to the beef industry because at least we got this thing done. Absolutely. And Delaney, we also had other big trade news from the other side of the globe that was not nearly as bullish. Tell us about it. Well, China made an announcement today, or this was rumored to be announced over the weekend. It was confirmed a little earlier today. The Chinese government has ordered their domestic suppliers or their domestic buyers to stop purchasing U.S. agricultural goods. So we are going to expect to see probably some more soybean cancellations as we go into the future. The other big news coming out of China was that they have now allowed their currency to weaken to a level not seen since the Great uh, Recession back in 2008. So all of a sudden, it appears that we are done offering olive branches in this trade war with China. We are basically looking at a full-scale trade war, I guess. The, the the truce is over, I think, is probably mm-hmm. the best way to summarize mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I did see um, White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow 
gave his statement over the weekend to Bloomberg Television saying, of course, President Trump has put out this statement about the September 1st tariff deadline. But he said those could be totally avoided by China if they just promise or continue to make big purchases of agricultural goods. So I'd say China's pretty much giving them the middle finger and saying that is not going to happen. Yeah, you are 100% right. I think that's the best way to interpret this move by the, uh, the Chinese government. So that continues. That whole mess continues. It does. And there was kind of another interesting complication on this whole mess. Costco, which is, of course, the Chinese commodity trading firm, has, uh, was down at the Brazil's 2019 Agribusiness Congress, and they said they are looking at new investments in warehouses and improving transportation systems in Brazil. They look to see the business environment in that country continue to improve, and they plan to increase their investments in Brazil. So that's effectively the Chinese government saying, we're putting our, our money on Brazil in this horse race. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think that's been a long time coming, though. Yeah, I think you're right, but now it's confirmed. Yes, it is. Well, Madison, Mike and I have been doing a lot of talking. What news do you have for today? Well, you guys kind of took all of my news, but um, I did see that Senator Amy, Amy oh gosh, Klobuchar. I, Klobuchar, yes, mm -hmm. thank you, is coming back to Iowa on Wednesday to roll out her agriculture and rural communities platform. So we could probably see her at the state fair because then she is planning to announce a proposal fo focused on family farms and that will be followed by a four day 20 county tour here in Iowa, kind of leading up to the first caucus. Yes, we're going to see, I think pretty much every Democratic candidate will roll across the state fair, roll across the state of Iowa here over the next two mm -hmm. weeks. So we are now in full political season, I would say. It's safe to say. And yes. you know what? I have moved to Illinois, and from yeah. time to time that, that makes me very sad because I love Iowa. It's my home state. But I'm kind of excited I won't be there for primary season. Yeah. I get yeah. to dodge all the ads. I get to dodge all the shenanigans. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I've been getting a lot of emails. I don't know how I ended up on the email list for all these press people, like for the political stops, but I've gotten put on a couple of lists now, and I'm not sure uh, how my name got on that list. Delay, You're just, I just so well you known. Up for everything on the <laughs> oh, internet. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to start doing that to you too, Mike. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm joking, of course. I would yeah. never do that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Well, you know, I never have just because I tend to avoid places that require, you know, a sign up. So right. if I'm ever there and I remember, I absolutely would. I just <laughs> haven't yet. It's more of a lack of opportunity than it is a, a lack of willingness. Oh, okay. Great. How nice of you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Blaine. Yeah. You can thank my laziness. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, well, you know, we've got some news out of Brazil I wanted to hit on real quick. Uh, Brazil presently has a... Uh, tax on imports of ethanol from the U.S. This has been in place for several years, and it is expiring. And the Brazilian government has the opportunity to modify the tax or just let it go away completely, and they said they haven't yet decided on what to do. Uh, Teresa Cristina Diaz told reporters that if they do decide to reduce or eliminate the trade or the tax, the tariff, um, they're going to have to do it slowly because they don't want 
a glut of U.S. ethanol to come in and swamp the Brazilian ethanol industry. So right now it's a 20% tax above anything imported that uh, more, than, uh, more than 150 million liters per quarter. So basically we get to ship down, what is that, 600 million liters a year mm -hmm. of ethanol tax-free, and then it's a 20% tax, and it's that 20% that could be changing. Okay. Which would be good news for the U.S. ethanol industry that right. desperately needs a win. Oh, my gosh, so badly. They've been in negative margins or near break-even for quite a little while now. Yes, yes, they have. It is definitely a struggle. It is a struggle. Another thing that's been a struggle this year, as we continue to talk about here on the podcast, has been just really all this post-flooding stress that we've seen happen across the crop ground. One issue that uh, I think is it was maybe expected, maybe not quite expected, has been the nutrients carried by Midwestern floodwaters this spring and early summer have can help to contribute to an area in the Gulf of Mexico called the Dead Zone, which is nearly 7,000 square miles. And it's it's a really hypoxic zone, and it's an area of low oxygen that can kill fish and marine life. It has been really hit hard this year by all the nutrients coming downstream now from all the stuff that's been going on up here in the Midwest. Hurricane Barry has also contributed to that area. I think it's been killing a lot of wildlife down there around the Gulf and the ports. So uh, Bill Northey even said who is, of course, USDA's undersecretary for farm and production. He said that a lot of progress is being made to reduce the nutrient load, but it's still a big issue down there, restoring cover crops and restoration of, of wetlands down in that area. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah and definitely. even up here, so we can stop the, uh, stop the nutrients right. from leaving the farm in the first place. I right. know that Secretary, Undersecretary Northey has been a huge proponent of that for, uh, well, shoot, almost a decade now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that dead zone's a bad deal, and yeah, this year is going to be worse than ever. And I remember reading uh, scientists saying that back when the, that first flood hit the Platte River, way back in March, just because yeah. we knew that all of this, A, that flood hit the worst time when there was so much bare soil you know, mm -hmm. regardless, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'd already seen some farmers apply some, some crop nutrition. Right, right, yeah. I'm not sure... Mm, long term how that would impact like our seafood prices but i suppose that would be a possibility too yeah because well, it would be killing off seafood so right. that it would be less so shrimp and oysters i think are the big ones okay. that are in mm -hmm. that that dead zone and i i do i did hear a story that it, it is actually getting much harder for oyster fishermen down there in louisiana mm. they have to go farther away from the coast and they have to go deeper in order to catch do you catch an oyster do you capture it do you trap it i don't know what mm. they do just go down there and grab it i think oh, it's yeah. i think it's like a netting system okay yeah i'm honestly not sure oyster farmers if you're out there <laughs> hit us, or fishers <laughs> if you're know. out there uh yeah how do you do it find us on facebook social media just search for ag news daily and fill us in because we don't know yeah all right well that's all the news i had for today guys what else did you have well i've got an important breaking update oh okay so, according to Dan Hussey, who is a broker market strategist here at Zaner Ag, he just told me that oysters are farmed on ropes. They're seeded mm. on a rope, and then they grow there. Okay. <laughs> interesting. It's interesting. There we go. So, see, look at that. Ag News Daily. Getting the answers. Getting Absolutely. things right. Well, if we are all out of news, what do you say? Should we jump in and see where the markets close today? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. 
All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our good friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, I am proud to be an employee here today. If you want to get in touch with me or any one of our talented market strategists to work through ways that you can reduce your risk, give us a call. You can reach me directly at 312-277-0112. We had a crazy day in the markets today. We had heavy, heavy selling at the open on Sunday night that then turned around to a day in the green. It was very, very bizarre to watch. Corn was uh, one of the bellwethers today. The September corn contract up five and three quarters at 405 and a quarter. The December contract up five and a quarter to close the day at 414 and three quarters. In soybeans, the September was up a quarter penny to finish at 856 even. November also up a quarter, closed the day at 868 and three quarters. In Chicago, wheat that September contract was up three and three quarter cents, finishing at four ninety four and a half. December up three and a quarter to wrap at four ninety four and three quarters. Jumping over to the world of livestock, we've got mixed trade in live cattle here with the August contract up fifteen cents, finishing at one oh seven eighty, with the October down forty two and a half, trading today at one oh seven forty. In feeder cattle, the August contract was up ninety cents at one forty fifty two fifty. The September up a dollar seventeen and a half, closing at one thirty nine forty. And in lean hogs, finally a day that isn't limit down, although that is how it started this morning. Hogs moved four dollars and fifty cents today. The August contract officially climbed a dollar fifty-seven fifty at seventy-seven eighty-five, with the October up a dollar seventy at sixty-seven forty-two and a half. Delaney, you got to carry on our market Monday discussion today. Why don't you tell us who it's with? I'm excited. We are introducing another podcast. Well, he's not going to be a podcast provider, but he is going to be providing some content, more specifically his ag report to globalagnetwork.com, and that is. Todd Horowitz, also known as Bubba from Bubba'sTrading.com. Well, for today's Market Monday episode, joined by Todd Bubba Horowitz from Bubba'sTrading.com. Bubba, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about your weekly ag report that you do, the newsletter you kick out there, because that's now part of the Global Ag Network, and folks can read that commentary. What are you watching each week, and how are you breaking down the markets in that? Thanks for having me on, Delaney. What I do is I look at about 10 different markets, so of course, all the grains and all the meats, and then I look at the dollar, gold, crude, and the S&P, and what I do is I, a, I give what my opinion is on all of those markets, because I use some proprietary algorithms that give us direction on, on markets. And I tell people where I think they should be, and I talk about how to hedge against you know steep losses and against big markets. And that's basically what I discuss. I do a little write-up, and I also do about a 15-minute uh, video each and every week showing the charts and showing why we're looking at certain things and how they work. And that, that's really what we do. We try to keep everybody informed because I think it's important that everybody understands how the markets actually function and what makes them work. Absolutely. That's uh, essential to understanding how the markets are moving each week. Todd, I want to ask you about this August 12th report we've got coming up. How much stock are you placing into that report? Uh, Delaney, I place zero in all of the reports because, first of all, I think it's kind of like the Fed. They're all, in my opinion, again, they're, mm-hmm. they're not the paper that they're printed in or the electronic email they come out on. Uh, they really have no value to me. I, I think one thing you learn about markets, and I've been doing this for 40 years, is price determines everything. And the markets will give you a good idea of what the street is expecting and what they are expecting from that report. And more often than not, those reports are already priced into the market. 
And if they're a major miss one way or the other, that's usually been accounted for. And I think typically you will see the markets go the opposite direction of the report because most of it's been priced in going into those reports. So I never look at reports. In fact, I ask some of my farmer friends to send me what the report was so I can at least talk about it because I, I've never looked at one in 40 years. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're not alone in that camp. We've, we've got a lot of analysts who also are not watching those. So then technically, let's talk here about the corn markets. They've broken some key support where are we headed from here? Are we just going to continue to trade in a range until we get to harvest time? I th I mean, again, I'm short corn now, was long corn, and, and now short corn. Uh, I think that corn probably could go as low, as, if you want to base it on December, probably 4 bucks, kind of where we were this morning before we had the big turnaround. Uh, I, I think that, again, I think that there's going to be some value in here, and I, and I still believe longer term, Despite my algorithm, longer term, I'm a big believer that we're going to have a much higher uh, December crop by the time we get there. So I, I think that, uh, but in the short term, as a trader, I'm, I'm shorted. And I'm, I, you know, again, I, I have all my people hedged it to the downside. But I do believe that at some point here, we will break back to the upside. I think that we've, we've, we got a little bit overdone here. And I think that we're accounting on things that may not exist. But I think there may be some issues that will create much higher prices going forward. But for now, we will continue to watch. At four dollars is probably a key level. Somebody's looking to get in. Bubba, how long are you watching? Uh, watching to see the four dollar range here. You mentioned that we might turn back up to the upside. When are you expecting that to happen? Well, you know, again, we were, we were there uh, this morning. Actually, okay, we came down to four dollars and three quarters. And again, I would I would not be surprised if we got up to about four twenty and failed and came and tested again. If we can hold it one more test down to the downside. To me, that would indicate that the lows are in from this move, you know, because we were up, we were up at 468, now down to you know four bucks. We've had a one heck of a move to the downside. So I think if it holds one more step down, and the actual setup is looking bullish because the last three times we've tested that low, we've actually made higher lows coming back. So I would expect to see one more test of it, and then I would expect we would take off from there to the upside. Do you think there's any reason for us to touch those highs of 473 again in this end of this calendar year, beginning of next year? I think there's a good chance. And again, I don't like to make those type of predictions because I typically look at markets one level at a mm -hmm. time. Okay. However, I wouldn't be surprised if we did get there. I'm, again, I think there's an outside small chance of a big market, which could take us maybe into the $5 level. And again, it won't take long. You know, once the markets start, as we've seen in the past, once they start moving, it's hard to get in their way. Where are you sitting right now with beans, Bubba? Beans, I'm also short. Um, I like beans as well, but again, they just couldn't hold. And I think beans um, were, you know, look like they should probably test about 850, uh, possibly a little bit lower. But, but again, I, I see the same action there. I think a lot of this selling has been more from what we call the weak hands in the, in the business and people that can't take the pressure anymore and are just dumping. And I think what you'll see is, again, we'll find some support. And I think I don't think that will be till probably around 850. But I think when we find some support there, I think you'll look for a much higher price. Again, I think there's a chance that, that the soybeans can take out the recent highs as well. Do you think we're going to go down and fill that gap that was made earlier this, uh, this summer, early May-ish area? Talking about 820-ish, around there, 820, yeah. 830? Mm -hmm. We certainly could. You know, look, we certainly could. I, I wouldn't outrule it. 
But I think the first thing I'd see is 850 is my first spot, and then probably 840. If we do break 840, obviously we're going to fill that gap if we get to that level. But again, I don't know that we'll fill that level yet. You know, I think there's there's too many things out there that could lead to aggressive buying, especially if equities continue to break. You know, one thing we know about money, it's looking for a place to go. And certainly if equities continue to fall, people are going to be looking are chasing yield. And they will come into the ag spot as a great alternative investment. And that could push these things up as well. What do you make of the Fed's cutting the interest rate for, I think it was the first time since the George H. Bush or George W. Bush administration? The first time since 08. Okay. And, and I, I think, look, I don't like it. I think it's too much manipulation. We hear about President Trump talking about the Chinese manipulating the dollar. Well, we do the same thing. Every time we deal with our interest rates, you're doing the same thing. However, um, I, I think the Fed might see something because I think the overall economy has got some, some issues. You know, when you look at farmers, for example, they're selling, you know, grains and things at lower prices, yet their, 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 their fertilizer and fuel costs continue to rise. So that, that's not a good mix for anybody. And I think, I think there is some issues in the over general economy. But I'm never a fan of, of rate cuts. I'm always a fan of let the free market decide. If the free market would decide it needs lower rates, that would be great. The other thing is, is that the average farmer producer does not benefit from these lower rates because he still goes to the regional bank and they still whack him at much higher than, than, the, than the big guys get. So it still makes it a problem. Do you see equities then trickling into the ag markets anytime soon with the rest of the economy potentially slowing down? I think that the money from equities that comes out, I think, will flow into uh, grains and I think it will flow into the meats. And I think that that's a great alternative spot for, uh, for money. And I, again, I think that's what will help push these markets a little bit. But they will be searching. And I, I do see a much bigger sell-off coming in the equity market, which also helps lead me to believe that the ag markets are, will go higher after we can resolve my short-term uh, selling positions. I know you hate probably putting a timeline on that, but is that something we're looking at here within the next six months, the next year? Well, I think that the selling is going to continue. You know, I, I mean, I think if you look at the equities, I mean, you saw it this morning. First thing this morning, everything was lower, right? Grains were lower, meats were lower, markets were lower. But finally, the meats woke up and said, wait a second, this is a good spot. And you saw feeder cattle turn around and actually get up on the day. Uh, fat cattle actually got up on the day. Hogs ended up on the day. And, and corn ended up on the day. And, and wheat and, and soybeans almost got there. And we're positive for a while. So that money is going to flow fairly quickly. And I, I think if the selling ugly in equities, I think it'll come sooner than I think. I mean, if, if we get, uh, if this selling continues, I would expect it to be happening in the next 30 to 45 days. We would start to see the money come in. Okay. All right. That's a little closer timeline there. Tell me about what's going on in the wheat market right now. We've broke through some $5 support levels in the KC contracts. Are you expecting us to hold around that $5 level, or is there reason for us to head one way or the other? Well, I, I, again, I'm, I'm in the same position in wheat that I am in corn and beans, and I think that you know there's maybe a little bit more room to the downside. However, I would expect a much bigger rally, and, and I think you know basically – We've done a great job holding about the 480 level in September, okay? And if you want to look at, at December, uh, you know, I, I think we've done a pretty good job holding, you know, about 485 or so. So, again, I'm, I'm not – I think, again, I think there's some room on the downside. I think we churn and maybe consolidate down here. 
But again, I would expect to see much higher prices, which I'd really expect across the board. However, again, full disclosure, so everybody understands I'm short now. I still think there's some room to work on the downside, but I do believe longer term, you know, uh, 60 days, 90 days, we start to head higher, if not sooner. I've got to ask, are you are you feeling the same way about the lean hog market as you are the rest of the ag markets? No, I'm not as big a fan of lean hogs. Yeah. I think that, you know, they, I, th- I think what typically happens in the lean hog market is we had that big explosion when we got over a dollar and, and we had the, you know, the, sw- the swine flu, which was really not that much of an issue. And we've come down about 35% since. Now, again, can they turn around and rally? Yeah, sure. I, I have no issue that they can, but this is typically not a very bullish time of year anyways. Uh, and the, the, certainly the formation of the uh, of backwardation here is not very good as well. Now, we had that big rally today, but we only really rallied right back into resistance at about 68. So let's see how it plays. If we can get back above 68 and start to trade, then I can say, yeah, I can see a reason for us to go higher. But right now, today, action was obviously a dead cat bounce and was a resolution of being down six out of seven days and down from 81 to 65. So, you know, at some point there's going to be a bounce no matter what the market is. And and lastly, I've got to ask here, the live cattle and feeder cattle markets both have tried to break out to the upside. Will we see that follow through? I would rate that 100%, but of course, I don't ever want to say 100. But yes, I, (laughs) I I think they're both in great shape. I think if you look at the pattern, in fact, I wrote about it, you know, they made lows. They came up, they consolidated higher lows. They went right to resistance, pulled back a little bit, and they held, and they're going up again. I would expect the cattle to break out in the next week or so. All right. But before I let you go, remind folks how they can find your report and interact with you on social media. Uh, they can get me, they can, go to, they can either email my direct at bubba at bubbatrading.com. They can go to bubbatrading.com, my website, uh, at uh, uh, at, uh, on Twitter, I'm, uh, what, what am I under, on Twitter? Bubba underscore trader, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. Well, Bubba underscore trader. Uh, but again, reach out to me. I'm glad to help. And, and again, I, I always give you, I always give you my honest thoughts. Well, we certainly appreciate that. And I appreciate you breaking down the markets for us today. Thank you very much, Lane. I appreciate it. Perfect. You want to bring it out of Bubba? Mm-hmm. Go for it. Well, always fun to have Bubba on. He's just got a different way to think about stuff, and he is always watching just a wide variety of not only ag commodities, but also just the equities markets, the dollar, etc. And got some good stuff there. He does, and what I love about him is the enthusiasm carries through the the, the conversation. Yes, you know, you can just tell he's fired up, he's passionate about these markets, which is really neat to hear. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if our listeners are passionate about markets and they want perhaps a retrospective on how things have been throughout the year, they should log on to our website at agnewsdaily.com. That will take you to our new home at the Global Ag Network, where you'll be able to hear and read some content from Bubba. Also, huh, well, I was going to say hundreds, but at least a dozen other fantastic, talented podcast producers. And you can always find us on social media. As I mentioned, just search for Ag News Daily on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. So with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. (laughs) 